You've tuned in to localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Carly Rubach, and joining me in the quad today is Lynn Molitor. Hello. Azure Mahara. Hello. And Jacqueline Peterson. Good morning. All right, so with any job, you're going to have to deal with change, whether you like it or not. Um, with that said, Jacqueline, you want to start us off today? Yeah, I was sort of thinking about this. You know, Carly, just as you mentioned, there's a lot of transitions that go on within an organization. And one of the transitions, one of the common ones, is moving on to a different position. Whether, you know, that's internally, within departments, whatever the situation is, people grow. And that's the whole point of having a career. But it got me to start thinking about how that transition impacts the remaining team and sort of what they're going through. Because there's sort of different emotions that you go through, excitement for that person, um, sort of sadness too, and then maybe sometimes a little bit of anger because you feel like you're the one picking up the slack or you've been added more responsibilities and you're thinking, well, geez, I should be compensated or I should get this and that. And it's really not about that. It's, I, I sort of want our listeners to think about the opportunity that they're given when someone transitions off and look at the glass half full. So I just wanted to sort of get your opinions on what do you think about that? Have you ever been on both sides and sort of how you assess the situation and sort of use it to your advantage? Actually, I um, I always go way back at the very beginning of my career. I was in a work team that had a lot of senior people in it, and I was the newbie out of college. And all of a sudden, someone left the team. And it gave me opportunities like almost like before I was due. And so, um, you know, it was a, mo- a small scale, but I embraced it and I ran with it. So I like to always tell my coworkers, um, you know, it's like you're, you're, you know, you're sorry to see your team member go. And, you know, they're all thinking that they're going to something better. But it just opens up so many opportunities mm-hmm. for you. So you should embrace it. Yeah, I agree with you, Lynn. I think that if you have, um, if, if you have the opportunity to take on more work or prove yourself, whether it be if you're, you know, your other team member has left or has been promoted. Um, but in the same thing, if for you to give up some of your tasks and move it on to somebody else that you might be a little possessive over, I think kind of falls in that realm too, that you have to understand that you have to give things up to gain more. So that's a good point. um, (laughs) So yeah, I'm I'm with Lynn on it. Did you ever feel though, like uh, Lynn, you saw it as an opportunity, which is, which is sort of how I see it too. I I mean, I used to get excited. I'm like, wow, (laughs) there's going to be more opportunities for me. (laughs) Right. But but not everyone looks at it that way. There's some people who are like, well, geez, now I have more to do. And I think those people more see it as like a this is a nine to five job and I get a 60 minute, you know, lunch break and blah, blah, blah. Why is it different for you guys when you're looking at it versus that different mentality, which is why I have more responsibilities? Why why aren't they giving me more in return? Yeah, well, I think. Although I don't think I would feel this way, I think that's just that would come with someone who's just afraid of the change and they're so used to their schedule and they're like, well, now I have all this to take care of. I think it just comes from a fear of change probably and you just kind of have to take some time and think about what it really means and not get so caught up. And I think the other thing too is um, I know probably like in all of our cases, 
our schedule is really busy. And then when you think about, you know, you go back to your desk and all of a sudden someone has given a two-week notice versus two weeks internal or external. And then all of a sudden you go through this transition. It's like, okay, well, you've got all your full schedule now, but now I have to spend the next two weeks transitioning what the other person did. Mm -hmm. So for the people that remain, it can be a stressful time. Mm -hmm. But I guess, yeah, you're absolutely right. And so I think what I want our listeners to sort of get out of this is look at it like an opportunity. Look at it, yes, you're going to be giving, but to Azure's point, um, you know, to gain more, to grow, this is your career. You sort of sometimes have to give up Mm -hmm. other tasks that you've mastered already. I always like to tell my team, you know, you're going to have to exceed me. At some point, my my job is to coach you to the point where you – where, where you have surpassed me. Oh, good point. Otherwise, we're not evolving and we're not growing. If the generation underneath you is constantly under you or or, or just meeting your level, we're not growing, we're not evolving. So right. I always tell my team, you know, you've got to pass me. You've got to be better than me. You've got to, you, everything that I do, you've got to do it better and at you, some point. And your mm-hmm. job is to help them get better. Exactly. Yeah. So I think what I want our listeners to know is that, when someone leaves, regardless of how the transition is, just look at it like an as an opportunity to move forward, to gain more responsibilities. And it's not necessarily about you and being compensated for your time or your efforts. It's really about developing your career and seeing it as an opportunity to move forward, as Azure said, um, so that you can continue adding value to yourself mm-hmm. professionally and as well as the team. And I think um, to keep in mind, too, if you – are stuck on that mentality of, oh, I should be compensated for all this extra work, that is actually going to reflect pretty negatively on you, whether if you just, in, 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 excuse me, <laughs> if instead you just um, did it and didn't say anything, had a good attitude about it, that's going to speak louder than you going into your boss's office and saying, I would like to get compensated for this. Right. But you, I mean, people do. Yeah. People do. And I think it, it comes down to, is this a career or is this my job? I think when people have the mentality, Azure, that you just mentioned or that we've been talking about, that's more of my job. It's 9 yeah. to 5. I deserve right. a 60-minute break. You know, wh- if I'm giving you, what are you giving me in return? But if you look at it more of a career your mentality should be evolving from that. And it's like, I'm going to put in here, I know the, I'll, I'll reap the rewards eventually at some point, but it's going to take some time. Right. Yes. Yeah, and I think there's probably a good majority of people who would look at it as an exciting opportunity. I know I came from a small company before this, and I would have welcomed any change, any new opportunities for tasks and such. So um, it sounds like for the most part, we... We would welcome change, and um, it kind of brings us to our next topic. We welcome change, but do we always want to be so welcoming in the workplace? And Lynn, (laughs) you kind of had something to talk about related to that today. Well, I thought it would be an interesting uh, little discussion for us to talk about the open-door policy that we hear so much about and we read about. Um, But in theory, when you're sitting like in an office setting, we're in cubicles, and we don't have doors. We don't have, you know, we have high ceilings. And, you know, our conversations can definitely be overheard. Mm. So what is the practice that we should try and develop um, in order to respect privacy in such a, glo- in, you know, in such a setting? 
yeah, that's tricky. I think you're right because <laughs> we've all been in those situations where we're trying to have a private conversation and it's like, well, where do I go? Um, you know, I try to keep my personally just for anyone out there who's listening, employers, <laughs> uh, because I also sit on the floor with like Linda's in a cubicle. Um, when you have those private conversations, I usually try and keep them to my status meetings. So I have status meetings with my teammates on a regular basis. So um, for me, I'm pretty fortunate. My team's pretty awesome. <laughs> but if there's something that I need to address privately, I'll just sort of make a note of it and we can chat about it in the status meeting versus having that conversation where, A, people can hear you or running to a conference room and we have glass doors so everyone can see you. And then, you know, people thinking like, oh, what are they talking about? So I, I always try to keep it to a status meeting. I figure if the building's not burning down and people aren't dead, it's not that big of an emergency. Yeah. If there's something that I need to address, I'll address it via email and then follow up in the status meeting. Um, but like I said, I'm pretty fortunate. I'd, my my teammates are pretty, pretty mm-hmm. cooperative <laughs> for the most part. But that's what I do personally. <laughs> The thing that I try and do, and I apologize to all of you, my coworkers, if I don't always do it. <laughs> um, when I do walk up to a cubicle, um, like when I have like a question, you know, it's not like I'm friendly chatting. Um, but when I do have a question, I try and remember to ask if the person has a minute. Um, you know, and sometimes it's even hard to tell if a person is on the phone, you know, be it if you have a telephone headset or um, headphones on or whatever the, the situation is. But at least I try and act like, you know, it is their personal space. And, you know, do you have a minute to answer my question? I don't want to assume just because they're sitting there, because we're all sitting there. Um, it's not like I'm sitting there waiting for someone to come ram into my space I noticed that you do that Lynn and I and I (laughs) like it um and actually after after working with you I started doing that so um it was something you know just hey do you have a quick second for me to stop by um then I would swing by or you know have you know they'd swing by um but you you said something about the phone and in a cubicle I think that this is something that people I'm sure it happens to everybody out there. I know it's happened to me before um, where you're on the phone in your cubicle and somebody walks up. And I might be, you know, waiting for the voicemail to come on or the person might be talking so they can't tell that I'm on the phone. So they'll just immediately start talking. And I'll point at my phone, you know, like I'm I'm on the phone. And they'll they'll still be like, okay, well, when you're done. (laughs) And they continue to ask me a question or say something and I block them out completely. And I'm listening to the person on the phone. so afterwards, I will then send them a message and be like, I have no idea what you said to me because I was on the phone. So I think that it's a good idea if you see somebody or somebody motions that I'm on the phone, don't still continue to talk to them. Walk away because yeah. you're yeah. just going to distract them, even if it's just something quick, like come back and quickly do it. And I think we have a lot of resources set up in the workplace here to help with like the phone systems and everything where you can see if people are busy or in a call and that's helpful and it may not always be accurate, but um, at least that's just a going off point. And you can always chat someone first to be like, do you have some time? Can I stop by? So there's some resources in place to take advantage of <laughs> mm-hmm. before you just go right in there. And But to Lynn's point, even when um, you're not necessarily calling the person we have instant message that we use all the time I always or at least I try I shouldn't say always to say you know are you there question mark do you have a sec question mark Mm -hmm. can I call you Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um, because 
it's very important to respect that person's time. And in regardless of the levels of hierarchy, I still think because there's still some people that are like, well, you know, I'll just call you and you should be there to pick up. And I still think like, well, I, you know, I have a job to do. So it'd be nice if you just didn't just call me because I'm A on the phone or I'm in the middle of a meeting. And it's just polite. So I think on all levels, yes. from the bottom up, from the top down, it's just nice to say, hey, do you have a sec? Because that person is working on a project or mm-hmm. on a call or in a, mm-hmm. some sort of meeting. So mm-hmm. so let's just keep, I just wanted to take this conversation now into a slightly different twist. I mean, so we're in our little work settings and, you know, we're all talking about work, but what happens when you have the bad day, you know, and you're sitting in your cube and it's like all the world can see you, <laughs> you know, how do you, uh, how do you deal with that? You guys all know me pretty well, so you know when I'm in a bad mood, you all stay away. <laughs> I, you know, I do the same thing with the people that I work really close close with on a day-to-day basis. Um, I let them know at the beginning of the day. I had a really bad morning. <laughs> like, just give me a little bit. And they, you know, they do it in, in um, the same respect. So we just kind of have a heads up. Walk, tread a little bit lightly, maybe not bombard that person right away in the morning, let them kind of catch their breath and maybe be the extra upbeat person that day. So, well, and I guess I would encourage people to, you know, especially if you're walking into someone's cube that, or walking up to someone's cube that you're not used to working with all the time, you have to get good at reading body language, I think, and being sensitive to a person that, you know, you can have a, your day can go south real fast, like at two in the afternoon for no one's reason, but, you know, you're kind of worked up. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you see the person is, you know, just maybe needs some privacy, <laughs> you know, take the cue and walk away because people sitting in cubes, we... <laughs> We don't really have anywhere to go and hide. No. (laughs) We don't have an office where we can close the door, which is pretty much a a very, you know, specific signal to, hey, leave leave me alone. alone. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm still trying to navigate the queue, but, yeah, I think it's just always important to respect people's space, especially if you can read the body language. So Yeah. Um, so we are, you know, covering some issues in the workplace, but there's a lot of people out there still looking for employment. And Azure, what did you want to talk about? Well, um, I wanted to talk about different tips that we have for um, our mature job seekers out there, um, whether they be resume tips, um, interviewing tips, anything like that. But I think sometimes that can be a little bit of a challenge for um, somebody that it might be dealing with age discrimination or just doesn't feel as confident because of their age. So I just wanted to um, give our listeners that are in that category a little bit of extra hope and some tips and kind of start it off there. So um, one thing that, you know, and I had read a couple of articles about this, but um, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was that people, if, if, if you're resisting technology, so if the interview wants to be done via Skype and you're like, well, I don't have Skype and I don't even know how to use that, no, no, that's not acceptable. You need to say, okay, yeah, um, and then research it. Call, you know, your kids or call somebody that does know how to use Skype and and figure it out so that it's in time for the, the interview. You have it all set up and it's not as scary as it might seem, you know, it, you'll be probably amazed at how easily you can pick up on some of these things. So does anybody else have any tips to kind of? Actually, Azure, I think um, me being a mature worker, (laughs) I would um, 
I think you make a good point about embracing the technology. And, you know, it's funny because we were talking about embracing change earlier in this conversation, and this is a key point, I think, um, where, you know, if a situation calls for it and you are looking for a, a new employment opportunity, you may have to get into some situations that aren't comfortable. But know that everyone else out there has, not everyone, but a lot of people have embraced Skype or new technologies, and there's no reason why you can't do it either. Right. So um, that would be, this is just the opportunity that's going to force you to do it. I think um, another thing in terms of a mature worker is don't um, don't sell yourself short. Um more the mature worker category would tend to be a person that uh, may not want to highlight everything that they know. And so this is a situation where you're going to have to start marketing yourself. You And that may put you in an uncomfortable zone as well. So you have a lot of skills and sometimes your skills may be able to be used in different ways for different jobs than what you've had previously. But I think um, there's a place out there for everybody. But when you are putting your resume together, some points I want to make is that if you graduated over 10 years ago, take off the date of your graduation. That, to, to Ash's wow. point, she even had, 10 years. 10 years. I know I'm getting up there. Um, <laughs> you want to remove the date of your graduation because, as Azure said, unfortunately, age discrimination is out there whatever. It's just something to be aware of. Also, when you're adding your uh, tasks, duties, accomplishments that you've done on your resume, don't start with, I have over 25 years of experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, when you're looking at the job description and it says looking for 10 to 15 years of experience, and let's say you have 20, then say, I have uh, 15 plus years of experience or whatever. So so that you somewhere mirror mirror the language. Um, You don't want to kind of be overqualified, some employers say, which is so silly because, um, in my opinion, I think, well, heck, <laughs> they're looking and they're excited. You know, but there's different perspectives on why people do things. So you just want to make sure that if you are applying for a position and you're looking at the job description, that you sort of tweak your resume, being honest, of course, if that reflects you. So use the same language that they're using if, if you can. Mm-hmm. And then I... I just had a couple points to jump off the technology aspect. I think it's important to have social media profiles, um, especially LinkedIn probably would be an important one if you're going to start somewhere, um, and probably Facebook, just because um, employers will look for you on social media. We just got on Twitter last night. Does that count? Well, all right. Did you know this? I didn't. Not yet. We'll talk. Darn, Carly. (laughs) And there's tons of articles out there, too, that are about, you know, how to make your LinkedIn profile, you know, job seeker friendly and all that. And even on our website, um, Jacqueline was just saying the webinars, but we have a resources tab on any of the local job network sites. Um, So just... Go on the resources. We have tons of articles. Type in LinkedIn, and you will get an article that just has tips for job seekers to be on LinkedIn. So, I mean, you can find the articles out there. You just may have to do a little bit of research and time. Right. But now, if if you're looking for – if you're in the situation where you're looking for a job – and I know there are a lot of mature people who are on Facebook because they're trying to stay connected with their kids and their grandkids. Mm -hmm. You've got to be careful, though, right? 
in terms of what your profile oh, is, yeah. if all that's, of a sudden you're looking for a job? Right. That's a general rule of thumb. And I just did an interview with a social media expert and she just, you know, says use common sense, use the rule of thirds with Facebook profiles, like a third of the time you should be, um, you know, promoting content that makes you look like an expert in your field. So whether you're sharing articles or anything like that, you can be personal for a third of the time. And then I forget what the other third was. Oh, that's the the other third is interacting. So liking other pages that might be in your field. So trying to balance the personal and business. So you really, you know, there's a lot of strategy involved to it. So if your profile is very personal right now, maybe start sharing more articles business related or that are in your field and interact with pages that are more in your field. Oh, that'll get a lot of likes by your friends. (laughs) Yeah, well, Well, I know Azure's talked about this in previous um, shows about privacy settings. Now, I'm not on Facebook. Lynn and I actually are not on, we call ourselves (laughs) faceless. But Azure, you're on Facebook and what were you saying about those privacy settings? Yeah, you just want to make sure that your privacy settings are set. I mean, and you have to go in there and actually read about what you can do, but you can block certain things and um, allow certain people to see certain things. So maybe have a limited profile that the general public can only see, and then your close friends and family can see your full profile. And employers can still see that, but you also have to be aware that if you go on to a page, let's say you're you're applying for a company and you like their page, there's a good chance that they can see your whole profile. So you just have to make sure oh. that you set your settings to be appropriate to you know what you want, or like Carly said, just be have common sense when you're setting up your profile. So if you go like company ABC, let's say, um, do they now have more access to your page, even if you already set up some, you know, parameters as far as privacy goes? Yeah, under as my understanding, they do. I know that Facebook is always making changes, yeah. so I, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't know how long that will be or if they'll change that. Uh, but I know there's different ways, and there's there's so many advanced settings that you can set. So you just have to do your research on it. Yeah, and there's like. There, yeah, there's so much, and you can read like their developer, Facebook developer blog, which is really exciting reading. And but they'll <laughs> post all their latest updates and mm-hmm. stuff like that to the system. So yeah, so I just think the you know I think what we're all getting at here is don't be afraid of technology, have a positive attitude, um, be very upbeat. I know that another article that I read said um, don't be afraid to you know say. It, yeah, I'm running a marathon next week, you know, show that you still are are young at heart and it, you know, your age doesn't mean anything, that you still are very qualified. Um, And as Jacqueline had said, try to make your resume right in the middle where you're not overqualified, but, you know, you're not selling yourself short either. Yeah, and I think um, if you're a mature job seeker, you have a lot of experience. So you should be able to tell like a very carefully crafted story about yourself and pick the experiences and the accomplishments out that you've made. So I think you have an advantage in that way yep, to craft absolutely. a story. Um, so I wanted to finish out the discussion today. Um, I read a very strange article about being late and it almost, I felt like it was almost excusing chronic lateness. They were saying it's a very difficult habit to break. And I, I just, I thought that was interesting. So I'm curious if would you ever, if somebody's late every day, I would think that would just be it, you know, like you right. can't be late, but would you ever approach that person and ask if there's something wrong, if they need help overcoming this chronic lateness? Because apparently it's 
a very difficult habit to break. I, I'm late a lot. Um, I'm not late ever to work. I'm actually always way early for work. <laughs> but when it comes to meeting my friends for dinner, I will be the last one to come. Like when it, <laughs> when it comes to going to, you know, a birthday party or something, I will always be like 15, 20 minutes late. Um, it, it's just, I guess, that, that casual, like I know that this, you know, is my personal life and I just have a, a different mentality where when it's work, I'm like, I have to be out of the door at this time and it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm running to my car if I have to. So, and I'll still be early. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I think that with me being somebody that I guess you, my parents would say I'm chronically, <laughs> chronically late, but, <laughs> um, that it's not, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like it's, it, it is a hard habit to break, but n- me knowing that I can get to work every day and never be late and always be early, I know that I'm capable of it. It's just, I guess, setting those priorities. <laughs> no offense. I'm not trying to say that my parents are my priority. Or that I, <laughs> yeah, sorry, mom. Know, right? <laughs> sorry, friends that I'm always late for. No, I'm just saying that, I, you know, if, if you are always late, you need to look at it like, are you not looking at work as a high priority as something – that is a no-give situation. Same thing with classes. I was never late for classes. So, I mean, what are you late for, I guess would be my question. You know, this is an interesting topic that you bring up, Carly, because I was just having a conversation a few days ago with a family member who was telling me about a friend that she had who was always late to work. But hmm. the caveat as she was explaining this to me was she was really good at her job. And her employers loved her, and but she um, she just couldn't really get to work until ten o'clock in the morning. Hmm. But she stayed she stayed and worked late, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I was having a hard time uh, grasping this concept, um, you know. And I, my response was, well, yeah, she was working there late. Well, she still had to get her eight hours in. And, you know, I'm working late, but I already had three hours in before she even walked through the door. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think uh, you need to be careful of perception. Uh, you know, now some employers will have a variable start time. So maybe, you know, if a person is late or not, may not be so obvious. But, um, you know, we uh, like at our situation, we start our day off with meetings with coworkers. So the expectation is that you need to be there, and that's part of the job. So I find this just an interesting one. I don't know of an employer that would really put up with someone right. being tardy often. Yeah, I don't know. Um, for work, I'm usually on time. No, I, I'm always on time unless I'm on the train, and the train's late, okay? Jeez. Well, there's always going to be weather, and, you know, there are exceptions. So, But um, but I think for being on time, because I'm, I'm usually an on-time person, but I'm not I'm not an early person. I'm on time. So if you tell me to be there at 10, I'll be there at 9.55. So it's like, and I think one of the things that helps me do that, because I always used to be a chronic tardy person too, uh, and I think that that came from my family in the sense that, like, well, there's different – cultures have different values on time. Mm-hmm. So there's present time. So the person, depending on the culture, is thinking about time as it is right now. What am I doing now? And then there's different cultures who have future time, which is they're always thinking about the next thing that they have to go on. People with present time tend to be the ones that are a little bit late. Um, and then future time, they're usually on time or ahead of time. 
my tip would be for people that are always tardy is if you think that you're it's going to take you 45 minutes plan for an hour because if you're mm-hmm. always late you're probably going to be late getting like getting your hair done or getting started with some one one of the steps so um, and then if you plan for that, then you might find yourself, oh, I have 10 minutes to have a cup of coffee or um, I'm going to be a little bit early today. So that that's helped me is I always add on time. Like I and it drives my husband nuts because he's like, it doesn't take that long to drive there. And I'm like, <laughs> it will. <laughs> <laughs> and now he knows. Now he's like, yeah, oh, yeah it's going to take you an hour. So, <laughs> so, I mean, just, just try to give yourself a little extra time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this article that I read that, part of the three tips they include was relearn to tell time. So if, you know, you think that you know how long it takes you to get ready in the morning, but they're saying time every activity and find out exactly what it really takes because you're probably estimating incorrectly. So, (laughs) um, and then the other tip was plan to be everywhere 15 minutes early, which is usually a good rule of thumb for anything. And then um, they're also saying if you're anxious about arriving early, plan an activity to do. So if you get there 15 minutes early, bring a book with you. If you don't, if you're too anxious to like get started right <laughs> away, you can read for 15 minutes, call a friend. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us today. I hope all of our listeners are excited to embrace change and show up early places. So <laughs> if you would like to suggest any topics for discussion on the LJN Radio Quad, send a message to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. For Lynn Molitor, Azure Mahara, and Jacqueline Peterson, I'm Carly Rubach. Thank you for listening.